centuries ago, when the Earth was a much different place, long before television, radio, storybooks, bicycles, or even toys had been invented, human beings were far from alone on the planet, surrounded by animals of many varieties, some now extinct. In addition to the animals, in the deeper, more secret parts of the forest, lived seldom seen magical creatures of many descriptions. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Cartooncast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we are watching yet another movie that has to do with holidays of some sort. Yeah. Uh, which I totally watched the correct thing for earlier today and did not just speedball it in the last hour and ten minutes. <laughs> the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which I totally yeah. have complete notes for, along with production history and tidbits about the voice actors. But I'm such a generous guy, I'm willing to give you the Christmas gift of introducing the entire thing. Yeah, and I, th- you know, thankfully I took those notes way more ahead of time and not just in the five minutes before we were originally supposed to record. I don't know what you mean. And I'm now... sworn to secrecy by Heimdall, yeah, the after. Lord of Trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, there, we got we got some stuff to get to. Not a lot about the movie, but like oh, a lot cosmology, of <laughs> the the mind reels. <laughs> <laughs> the depth of lore on this one, guys. I can't wait. This yeah, is so. this is like <laughs> by the power of with the power of ten tigers, I invoke jungle law levels yes. of bullshit. Yes, yes, yes. I think the Phantom was walking around in that big group scene toward the end. He's one of the immortals, right? <laughs> yeah, it was that. It was like the the God Hand from Berserk. It was mm-hmm. all sorts of atrocious. It was Mr. Nimbus from Rick and Morty. He controls the police. It, it was all sorts of crazy shit. Oh, I can't wait to get into it. Ben, today we're talking about The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which was released in the year 2000 on, you guessed it, Halloween. Uh, it oh. was <laughs> cool. It was made by Mike Young Productions, which later became Moonscoop Group, which we remember from Code the Oko. Hmm. And um, it was based on the 1902 book by L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Wizard of Oz and the associated novels. <clears throat> and we are watching, uh, as I said, the 2000 movie. There was a 1985 Rankin Bass movie adaptation. It was Rankin Bass. Yeah, it looked real Hobbit claymation y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't look too much into that movie, other than that, there is a character named Tingler the Sound Imp. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Can we, can we just do can we do that? <laughs> nope. Tinkler the sound imp is a is a Chuck is Tingle a very cursed phrase. <laughs> but yeah, um so this this movie I chose because um I remember seeing it just on TV probably a little after it, it originally came out, but I just found it so fascinating because you know, it showed uh Christmas and Santa kind of from this completely different perspective than we usually see it and i kind of wanted to talk to talk talk about like what your thoughts were on this take on christmas yeah this is so this is really interesting i came in with no forehand knowledge i didn't watch this before i I take it that you are watching it for the second time Mm -hmm. uh at at most oh no yeah this is an annual tradition uh yeah so um it was pretty clear from the get-go that this movie was a very gentle uh, take on 
let's see. I'm trying to figure out how to organize my thoughts. Well, so, I mean, the, the origin of this, I, I think it's worth talking about the different kinds of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that that, that uh, sounds and, fine. And what Christmas, because like, so there are, there are two generally uh, uh, Christmases that are celebrated in our country, right? Um, and and the people like the who religious one and the cultural one the the religious the Jesus one and then the cultural like commercial it's time spirit to buy of, stuff spirit of Christmas Hallmark kind of stuff it's a Hallmark thing and and those two groups broadly don't like each other but everybody no. can kind of get on board on this third way this Santa Claus mythos um, and I just I just find that fascinating that like we have you know a uh, 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 lore we have extant lore about christmas right like yeah the so- <laughs> they, they they came out with the source book they you know erratas are a little slow in coming out but uh and, they translated it to english you know and even at the beginning of the 1900s santa claus was a a figure in pop culture from actual real like other cultural and, and mythological histories but we just kind of all adopted this common figure and it's just so weird to see where the mythos was back then, because it's kind of it's kind of different. Like I feel like uh, the the American commercial Christmas kind of took him a little more onto their side. Yeah, this this one depicts him more as like not as a just fat old dude in the North Pole who brings Christmas presents. They depict him in this as like this half immortal Hercules figure. Yeah, Hercules is a good comparison. Like the Disney's Hercules, like yeah, came from nothing. He's gonna do some good deeds, and boy, howdy, do we have a lot of justifications to work into this story <laughs> for why yeah. things are the way they are. Well, I, the the myth of Santa Claus is so strange because I mm-hmm. I don't know where it came from. It has all the trappings of something that is like Lovecraftian almost. He's like a Junior Krampus. <laughs> Krampus, yeah, you, can, you can go for the regular Krampus or the Krampus Junior. <laughs> Krampus Light. Yeah. He eats uh, you with fewer calories. Yeah, so I, I came in not super familiar with Santa Claus and his, mm-hmm. you know, origins. I did read a graphic novel called Klaus, which kind of has him as a grimdark uh, mm-hmm. kind of warrior hero uh, that is trying to liberate a town that's uh, hoping to unearth a demon from a mine that collapsed it's yeah. like there's some bullshit but he becomes like a a christmas warrior more or less yeah he's got this he's got this flexibility of of background where it's like okay we all agree on a few common things right he gives gift to people he does it one month out of the year or one day out of the year uh and, and most of the time he stays out of the public eye Mm-hmm. That's kind of like that leaves a lot of space during the rest of the year and the rest of what he does um, that people like to fill in. Um, it, and you can do that in pop culture by saying like, yeah, you know, he hunts demons or, you know, joined the Justice League that one time. But <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. Uh, the nice thing about uh, the myth of Santa is that mm, it's it's relatively well regarded in pop culture in, in most circles as the thing that you learn first is mm-hmm. fantasy like that that's the first big punch to your innocence as like in your childhood so like the fact that everyone grows up recognizing that this myth you don't have to take literally means yeah. that you really can do anything with it and no one's going to be upset cuz the only it, people who would 
you know, cherish the canon of Santa Claus are six. Yeah, he, he's benign in kind of every sense. And, you know, you can see the purpose of him because younger than six, you can't understand why you're... If you thought that your parents were giving you all those gifts, your question would be, well, why aren't you always giving me gifts? And <laughs> you, you kind of have a very to, American take on it, yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of have to hit that age where you understand why every day can't be Christmas, and then you can accept that there is no Christmas except the Christmas we make in our hearts. <laughs> yes. Are are you receptive to this? <laughs> I was. I mean, not to whatever you just said, but to to this movie, surprisingly so. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of takes you along, doesn't it? It's like Santa's D and D adventures. <clears throat> it does. It's it's a very mellow, for the most part, a very yeah. mellow story. Yeah, it's, like it's without it's without uh... it's without conflict. It's kind of without stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they try to invent some stakes near the end. Uh, it's it's without villain to the degree that they made one up and didn't give them any kind of motivations just mm-hmm. to move the plot forward. It's without it's incident. Just, it is. And, you know, I, I'm more familiar with fairy tales that follow the Grimm's fairy tales tradition of having kind of a plot arc. Mm-hmm. This does not have a plot arc. No. <laughs> this, this is, we're watching a guy grow up. <laughs> this is... um. Baum making up as many cohesive justifications for the Santa mythos as he could fit into one story. I don't know that 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 kind of that that kind of sprinkles this dismissiveness on the entire affair. Every time like a new bit of this is what a Santa <laughs> Claus is and we're seeing it being made uh, like we're seeing how the bread is made almost yeah, like I kind for, of appreciated the the synchronicity of this is something I know from pop culture and oh this is why they're doing it now it's it I don't know I enjoy here's, here's all an of example the, of that um he know. he built he has a house in the laughing valley so when he's saying what the valley is he says it's the ha 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 valley and that becomes ho 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 as he gets older and that's why Santa says ho 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 oh okay I thought it was just because Jim Cummings actually laughs like that Jim life. Cummings has a lot of charisma as older Santa Claus. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know if you, uh, you're not as familiar with improv, maybe. Um, there's this thing called justification where it's improv, it's wacky, the suspension of disbelief is pretty high, but sometimes enough things are happening where you need somebody needs to step forward and explain how all these parts connect it's called justification Hmm. and it's usually something you try to avoid uh it's a very skilled improviser who can come in and kind of do it uh without drawing attention to it this movie has no problem drawing attention to it that's an interesting that's an interesting point um yeah they don't mind just telling you flat out this is why we did this thing this is Mm -hmm. why you're seeing this now also, there are rock monsters. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I I generally see the justification thing you're talking about as a meta joke. Like somebody will come in and explain that the thing mm-hmm. is happening, <laughs> and it'll be like a meta commentary on the fact that it's so such a ludicrous design that you need the justification in order to explain it. Like it's a joke on its own. Yeah, I, um, I don't think this they is intended very straight as a joke. Place. This is yeah. no. This is very straight. <laughs> this is written right to you. Uh, without it, any kind of humor it's kind of you know? amazing how earnest and like unself-aware this is 
Well, how how young is the audience supposed to be? Because I given Christmas that it, age. What Christmas age? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like around ten years old ish. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, like you can follow a complicated plot with lots of named characters, but they all have different colorful shapes and their motivations are pretty clear. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. So um, I don't know. I, I I think it fits the demographic there. When when he wrote the the Oz books and his other fairy tales, Baum's uh, intention was to retail tales such as those like in the Brothers Grimm or in Hans Christian Andersen and remake them in an American vein, update them, omit stereotypical characters like dwarves and genies, and remove the association of violence and moral teachings. So that explains why uh, Santa Claus does not have an AK-47 in this retelling. That is one reason. (laughs) And that's Uh, that justification we've been talking about. Yeah, I feel like in the hundred years between the book and the movie, maybe they realized that those... got lost in translation. Yeah, some of that didn't sell, and you kind of need Guys, we've got to compete with Die Hard here. (laughs) Let's Um, crank up the action a bit. So, you know, you get characters like Whisk, who in the original book... He was just one of four deputies who carried out Santa's will toward the end of the plot. <laughs> that sounds like Dark Souls now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my four my four uh, you know kings whom I entrusted <laughs> with my soul to do mischief in the land. What? But then they were Santa's like Santa's in a movie generals. In a movie, you need Santa to talk to somebody and explain his motivations. And in the '85 movie, I'm assuming that's what Tingler the Sound Imp did. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here they're doing Whisk, and Whisk is voiced by uh, Carlos Alazraki. That's uh, Rocco. Oh, yeah, oh, that, every that is a pretty clear famous yeah. uh, voice actor in this movie is barely doing a voice. Like you can tell who they all are. The voice at, the voice performances are are okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm willing yep. to say, yeah. That I, I have to ask, like. Do you remember that one? Uh, okay, so this 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 movie's got things that aren't quite Tolkienian races. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say gnome. <laughs> one of the gnomes that leases his reindeer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> to Santa and like we spent a curiously long amount of time de- uh, deliberating the legality of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is is that guy? It will sounds a lot like robin williams but i feel like it can't be robin williams no i think that's also carlos alas rocky (laughs) it sounds a lot like him man yeah um the the only voice performance that i want to draw attention to really is uh kath susie who Mm. uh you know we'll see next episode as uh phil and lil yeah, I oh, I definitely saw. I, I wrote Lil in my notes. I I think she's a fascinating voice actress because she can kind of only do the one voice, but her skill, which is really on on stage here, because she plays a character who grows up over time, is to do that voice as different ages, and I, I think it, that she's very effective in that, and I wanted to call that out. Yeah, that that's a that's a Tress McLe- Tress McNeil uh, kind of skill is mm-hmm. to uh, you know really flesh out that age range and given that i'm only familiar with her portraying phil and lil uh that is very impressive and territory i did not know she could cover mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i have a couple other things to mention about uh baum himself l frank baum uh mm-hmm. during christmas he dressed as santa claus for his family and his father would place the christmas tree behind a curtain in the front parlor 
So Baum could talk to everyone while he decorated the tree, but in a way so that they couldn't see him. So he was kind of doing like the wizard of Oz behind the screen thing and Santa Claus. And he just did this his whole life. He he was like being those, uh, those, those, um, who are those guys when you're putting on a play and you need people to like move things around? Stagehands? But they're, what's that? Stagehands. Stagehands? No, I'm thinking of people who are actually on the stage, but they're like, the same color as the background, so that oh, they're in those black suits. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Oh God, I should know what those are called. Yeah. Deck. That's kind of what deck, that sounds like. Deck dastardlies. What are they called? Are they are they called like ting, tingle the tingler the sounding? <laughs> Maybe that's it. The roadies of the theater. All right, I guess we're not finding that one out. <laughs> <laughs> First well. page of Google has failed me. Uh, one last piece about bomb. Uh, while he was a supporter of women's rights and women's uh, suffrage, uh, I regret to inform you that he is canceled for advocating for genocide against the Native Americans. Oh, cool! How did that tra- how did that shake out? He like wrote an op-ed in between two like horrible atrocity battles, saying like, "Listen, I respect them. They've had a great history." If we kill them all now, they can maintain that masculinity of their heritage, but also we don't have to deal with them anymore. Now, that's a curiously mask-off take. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I... I, I <laughs> Even for then. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be more to it than that, and I, there probably <laughs> is not. Well, you know, I didn't have too much time to look up notes because, uh, you maybe know. <laughs> that, maybe that screed would have played a little better if he wasn't naked wearing a, uh, like a bear, like a bloody bear pelt uh, <laughs> and trying to wrangle reindeer for his uh, Santa Claus costume. Mm-hmm. I, I, so, yeah. I had the image of his idea of Santa Claus being very different than the one that eventually came out. Like he, yeah, he a little balthorized. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well but that's yeah. uh tragic and terrible yeah absolutely Thanks. yeah you're welcome thought i'd mention uh um, this this yeah. movie is an interesting one not because it's a christmas property not at all actually no the interesting part about this is that it's very off it's it's very it's paced not like a movie that i've seen like it it's paced so gently and it meanders between points that it almost feels more like a a, a, a direct-to-video movie it is or um or or combined with like something from the 80s where there where where the idea of a villain didn't really play more of a role than just big angry dude at the other side of the it's of it's kind of like a uh, like a this was your life movie that you put together for somebody at their retirement party yeah, 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 yeah. That it, it does feel a little bit like that, or, like kind of celebration. The Star Wars prequels, where it's just setting up explanations with new wacky background characters for how we eventually got this guy. Yeah, well, but unlike the Star Wars prequels, I thought that this was actually pretty competently done. Like technically, <laughs> I think that the tech, I think that the technical bits of this movie are better than a direct video generally is. Mm-hmm. So that. Yeah. Uh, I think it just kind of surprised me that it it looks better, but is worse in terms of plotting and the overall pace of the story. Uh, yeah, than we're we're in kind of like I'm a, familiar with. We're in kind of like a Fern Gully territory. Uh, yeah, but weirdly, without even the like, 
even the Fern Gully had a very difficult time figuring out how to get a villain on stage. Mm-hmm. This doesn't even try that hard. And they <laughs> barely tried with Hexus. So it's um, it's a weird thing to watch. I, I never quite got into the rhythm that the movie was putting down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie on the whole, I think, looks pretty good. It's, it's got a storybook, like a, like a Hans Christian Andersen um, illustrations. Um, very into the small village, like uh, house in the woods, Walden Pond aesthetic. Um, yeah, with with a little bit of like plague times, dark age tragedy thrown in there. It's weird because like we're in what is clearly medieval Europe, but yes. also toys have never been invented. Not once. Well, you, well Zane, you're seeing how they be invented. Oh, yeah. No, of course. <laughs> Joy didn't come into being until around the turn of the century, the turn mm-hmm. of the millennium. <laughs> yeah, when they discovered alcohol again. <laughs> Thanks, bud. It, it, it's It's... You know, there are fantastical things happening, but it's the the natural landscape is so textured. It's almost like we're trying to show you the magic in the mundane. A little bit. I think like one of the thrusts of the movie, the morality of it is that whether or not you're privileged or not, uh, every child deserves a toy. Sure. Like, every every child deserves to have their innocence rewarded. Or, or something to that effect. Like, they shouldn't be... They come out with it right at the outset of this movie where all the immortals are like, they're the most miserable fucks I've ever seen. Why yeah, would anyone yeah. have... Why would anyone be human? Um, and, like, one of the first things they show is that humans have to work as soon as they can walk or, mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Yeah. And I think that this movie... The, like, the point of it is, like, we we shouldn't have to do that. We We should be able to... We should be able to hold on to our childhood innocence a little longer. The moral of everyone deserves a childhood is expressed here as everybody deserves Santa. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Um, And Santa himself and all the human characters, like, they look pretty good, realistically proportioned. I think everybody kind of looks like they're on the verge of a good hug. Yeah, they're they're pretty adjacent to a hug. A lot of them end up looking like Link— and that's mm, curious, yep. <laughs> <laughs> except for uh, Whisk, who I guess Whisk started to look like Link if he was a man-faced monkey. Didn't he turn uh, into a monkey in one of his games? He must have. I I hope so. <laughs> Good for him. Good, way to go, bud. Uh, yeah, but we, we, can, we can get started on like the, the plot. We can kind of just go right into it. Do we need to talk about the characters at all other than to discuss them during the plot? Yeah, no, they're they're they are their function for the most part, and mm-hmm. when that's when they're not, they're good natured. Yeah, um, but we are we are going to go through a lot of fun nouns. <laughs> oh boy, I love these nouns. They're they're so clearly trying not to be copywritten. Uh, so we start in the forest of Brzee. We have uh, fairies, wood nymphs, caretakers of springtime, and all things born and reborn. Yeah, like off-brand elves and gnomes. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've seen elves and gnomes from, like, wizards or from, like, Keebler elf cookie commercials, you're almost there. <laughs> Put a big nose on it and make it look a little bit goblinoid, and you're there. Yeah, they constantly refer to, the like, the nooks. It's like, am that I supposed sound, to know what that is? Is that it, I don't feel comfortable saying it, so... Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I well, don't it know, starts man. with a K, so it's not an N-word. Yeah, well, I don't think that <laughs> absolves it. <laughs> Um, so we, uh, we, we center on the fairy or wood nymph, Nasil, who mm-hmm. brings nectar to, uh, Ak. Ak? Ak? I don't remember. Ak. 
Ak. He is the narrator, and he is also the overlord of this woods. The the master of the hunt of the of all woodlands. Uh, he's also an eagle Gandalf. Mm, Man, yeah. and like the nectar that they bring him helps him see the future. It, pre- it <laughs> predicts like, that this year will have a significant source of joy in it. Which is ironic, because this nectar could not have less significance in the plot. They just threw a bunch of weird lore in. This isn't the lore that goes toward the Santa. This is just extraneous (laughs) addendums. Bonus, we had to pad out to 75 minutes. Why is he an eagle wizard? I don't know. (laughs) It's bringing you into this magical world. Um, but Ak uh, tells yeah. us about uh, he, he tells the fairies about his time spent among the humans who are miserable and how he found a baby abandoned in the woods but it has an unusual essence yeah and uh, it gets adopted by this uh, tiger tiger mom yeah it's some weird Harry Potter special child bullshit the chosen one kind of stuff uh, yeah he, he goes to get a lion to um, try to raise he 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 and uh this uh this lion shigra which i really feel as though (laughs) this is i don't know it's it's very it's very i don't know um they conspire to raise an abandoned baby this is the first instance of jungle law Mm -hmm. uh where he mentions that a mortal has to raise a mortal human no immortal can handle it Right. It doesn't matter if you have opposable thumbs. The important thing is you can die and to impress that to your children. Yeah, you've really got to peg in the mortality and, thing. And it's interesting. So, so Nasil really wants to have this baby and, and have contact with it. And she goes to ask, you know, Ak, like, can I please raise him? And Ak is like, it is forbidden. It is not allowed, but whatever. No, don't do it. But okay. But go ahead. <laughs> Defiler. But you know what you know, boy, Don't boy say needs a mommy. It, but go ahead. <laughs> um Yeah. Also, Nasil under her like under under the breath, she says Heimdall, which mm. is the watchman of the gods that guards the Bifrost bridge to the you know, uh to to, to, to Norstown. Yeah, we're we're in Nordic territory here. Yeah, are we? <laughs> we? We get Hades later. I don't know, man. It's this is all Listen, over the place. If he wants it to be like the uh, Brothers Grimm or Hans Christian Andersen, you got to be like Germany, Denmark, that whole area. Like Heimdall's she right says around the corner. Heimdall under her breath, and then never again. Mm-hmm. Only referred to as Ak or occasionally the Warden of the Forests. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you say the the proper formal name when you're asking a request. Oh, this is, this is, yeah, this is their private name. Yeah. Um, but he says, uh, you, you can raise the boy, but no further mischief with humans is to be permitted. It kind of reminded the last me, one. It kind of reminded me of last episode with the, with the judge saying no more crime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll let you have one. <laughs> yeah, these, these immortal laws are pretty flimsy as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some fucking man-faced monkey dressed like Lynx gets shot out of a catapult into the Brzee woods. Yeah, so this is Whisk. He is a pixie shapeshifter. And, uh, yeah, he looks bad. He looks like the um, those old <laughs> Mega Man uh, box art with like the, oh, like the Macaulay yeah, Culkin face. Mm-hmm. Like that, the, that weird, like, uh, weird... That weird pervert face. Yeah, that, that old middle-aged man that they like crammed into a blue sailor suit look. 
Yeah. It, <laughs> um, he he looks he reminds me and looks a lot, and vaguely has the same effect as Flim Flam from yeah from uh the the Thirteen Ghosts Ghost. Scooby Doo. Yeah, like a, imagine a regular Christmas elf, but lanky and got into the crystal meth. <laughs> He's a little more manic than the general <laughs> surrounding tone. But um, he doesn't and, really do much. He's just kind of, as you said, someone for Claus to talk to. Yeah, and he foreshadows and talks about the Agawas on the mountain. Um, yeah, and, these rock monsters, these 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 golems mm-hmm. that are that are just they hate everything good, which is not a complicated villain, guys. Th- yeah, this came it, out in two thousand. Are you kidding me? It, well, Nothing it was before better? the gritty times. This uh, was well, after the Lion King. They decide that they, you know, they hate the fairy people and the wood nymphs and all that, but they're, you know, they can't mess with those immortal beings. But this little kid, he's fair game. So uh, pretty soon we'll start to see them, you know, causing mischief. Uh, mm-hmm. But we get the we get the kid's name because Nisil, uh is her name, and she gives it to her son. And Klaus means little one, so Nisilo Klaus or n- n- you know, Nicholas Claus. Nicholas Klaus. Klaus. Yes. Yeah. I, I ended up referring to him as either Nicholas or Klaus in the rest of my notes. At some point later, he calls himself Santa. I don't remember when he ever started calling himself Santa. It's because uh, he is like a saint. Oh, yeah, that's right. As unto a saint. Saint Nick. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, we get a, we get a song. Of mine, how he shines beyond what he knows. His whole life has been opening up like a rose. Yeah, uh, and I like, I like this song. It's like weirdly melancholic. It's almost a lullaby. Somber. It's it's kind of like a minor key, a little bit creepy though. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's generally at this point in the movie we're seeing our protagonist they're in the growing up phase i couldn't stop thinking of lion king for just multiple can't wait points to be king yeah that is usually a much more upbeat hey rest of the movie's coming it's gonna be a good time this is like weirdly mellow and like lethargic. It's, it, like, it's almost like a dirge i don't know it, it feels sad yeah it, or bittersweet at the very least mm-hmm. yeah. which is i Again, with the the toning and pacing of this movie, just this is very irregular for our first song, for our first song to start. You know, um, in the original Aladdin, they were going to do that one step ahead, that really upbeat song Mm. with Aladdin jumping over the parapets and whatnot. They were going to have a very sad song at the beginning. Oh, that's weird. That was the original conceit. And can you imagine how much of a failure that would have been? Yeah, because we're supposed to root for the guy. You're supposed to have an upbeat song with your... So it's a very weird choice to have a melancholic song be fresh out the gate kind of thing. Yeah, and especially because this is like a montage of him growing up into a young man with him like, you know, playing the flute and taming the bears and grabbing glowing Akuna, orbs Matata, from the dewdrops. Akuna, Matata, Akuna, Matata, Akuna, it means no worries. Yeah, we you get like will him grow growing up, up and die someday. With, yeah, with yeah, <laughs> Simba. It's a little. Uh, that's a little bit. A bit of a downer, wouldn't you say? Wait, why am I doing Billy Crystal for uh, Timon? I can see what's happening. I can see what's happening. Um, uh, yeah, but like that that montage of young child to young adult that happens in the Lion King. That that's happening through the the through the song 
Because because we don't care about him as a baby or a young kid. Like, we barely care about him as an adult. We just want old fat Santa. I liked him as a young adult. He looked he looks <laughs> he's like so a, earnest. Yeah, he's um yeah, he's he's just like a good dude who's strong. Like he's he's like young Hercules a lot. Like mm-hmm. very ignorant about the mortal world. Uh but clearly there's something good going on there and mm-hmm. he's a little too innocent for his own good. Uh but that doesn't tend to matter in this movie because consequences and plot uh do not obey the laws of dramatic uh, dramatic pacing in this movie. Yeah, it, it, and it's refreshing. You know, we're 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 Disneyed out by this point, right? We're just yeah, we're just watching a a <laughs> fable that we're familiar with happen, which yeah. is an interesting way to do a thing. So, as an adolescent, Nick ponders his existence. You know, wondering, do I belong? And he goes to hang out with Whisk and some dwarves for a mm-hmm. bit um, before uh, Ack brings him to visit the humans and but he gives him a sash so that they'll be invisible and can fly really thought that this sash was going to be more important well he has it later on when he gets fat he doesn't have to slip around and fall as much I guess and he can't um, be seen but he makes a big deal of like you can't take this off if you do you will never be allowed to see your mother or any of your friends from the immortal you'll be world. stuck with the humans that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's foreshadowing that goes nowhere. Which is incredible. <laughs> Again, I was looking back doesn't... at my notes and I wrote like, yeah, that's some basic foreshadowing right there. But there's mm-hmm. no payoff. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a very weird beast. Like in a normal movie, he would f- fight the Agawas. Like he would have a confrontation with them. They might steal the sash. There, there'd be a whole thing to get mm-hmm. back to the height of Saint Nick just in time for Christmas. None of that. No, and that's what happens in Hercules. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, analog is in Hercules. This mortal half weakness is exploited by the villains, but then he transcends the limits of his mortality. And oh, it didn't really. He didn't need to have the sash. He was already kind of destined for greatness. Like, yeah, yeah. Bing, bang, boom. You, you got your payoff. This just sets it up as though it's important and then drops it. Yep. Um, Ma- makes you wonder if there was something like in the book that they had to skip over. Maybe. I, I think they just, they felt weird about not giving the sash a reason. I guess the cliff notes for this is if you ever have a question, it's because Canon demands it. <laughs> he has to have the right. sash. So we have to make it seem important. Even if in the convention of a story, it goes nowhere. <laughs> we have to get from point A to point B. We have to fill 75 minutes. It's got to be colorful and simple. In uh, in middle school, I one time gave a presentation on like, I think precious metals for like geography <laughs> class or something like that. I can't remember the specifics of it, mm-hmm. but there was this one tidbit that I had written down ahead of time, but forgot to give in my presentation. So I walked off and then I went back to the front of the class, gave the tidbit, which had no context for anything that I had talked. <laughs> so, so, and like to, it totally ruined the pace of the whole thing, but I had written it down. So I had to say it. It's gotta get That's out what there. this feels like. It's yep. like the sash. We got to say the thing about the sash, even oh, though by the way, <laughs> it, it connects to nothing. <laughs> um, so they visit a child labor camp. Yeah, they, they encounter a slaver that's in charge of this qu- child quarry. And it, the show, um, and then the, they, the movie, they meet... Yeah, the, go ahead. The, the movie kind of tries to have it both ways, because the Agawas are doing mischief to get the adults angry, making you think like, mm-hmm. oh, these are the source of anger and strife for the humans. 
But also the humans are just dicks. Yeah, if the also, humans have agency as evil people. But also, like, human society under feudalism is inherently unfair regardless of what the individuals do. It's just, it's just like, they're not committing to a they, villain. No, they it's picked just both. life's complicated and we understand that. It's another Ferngully thing where, like, we don't want to say the actual moral, which is that some humans are bad actors and they we, we need to fight against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, they're like rock ogres. Did it? <laughs> it? It's almost like Ak pointing out to Nick, like I know you're interested about the humans, but this this is like this cycle of abuse is all that human history is. Like this is all that's outside is, of our borders. Here's your birthright, kiddo. Everything the light touches. Well, um, uh, I will say that this sash, when it turns Nick invisible, so he can go spy on the child quarry. I think the tra- translucency layer is just about the right amount. Mm. I appreciated that he he looks very distinctly like he's invisible to mortals, but not to us. I always loved the um, shorthand in the comic books where they had to distinguish invisible, intangible, or both. Yeah, that's a hard one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Nowadays, you can just Photoshop a different percentage. So despite seeing uh, the horrors that are uh, put upon human children... Uh, we just skip a few years. Like, Nick doesn't decide, like, I have to help them or I have to do something to make the world better. Yeah. He's just, well, he's just, he's in his, um, he's in his room springer, right? He's, like, learning mm, about him. Yeah. So, they, he and Whisk, who is just his, I guess, hetero life partner at this point, mm-hmm. uh, decide to build a house. Yeah. Which we leads gotta... <laughs> to yet another thing that was dictated by jungle law, but for no reason. Yeah, so they, they... This home building sequence, the dwarves and fairies uh, help out in the night and build the house um, in a work song. And I thought this was very catchy. We'll take some trees and stones and things and make them carefully Until we have the beacons of a builder's recipe We'll lift the walls up to the roof to keep the weather out And seal the seams with lots of pebbles and mud to make it proud I like the builder's recipe song. Uh... The not-quite-gnomes do a barn-raising, ro- robbing Klaus of the valuable character-building moment of failing to make a good house, because he has none of the skills necessary. Yeah, I'm um, not sure what skills he does have. Well, he I think it's cool that he refuses to chop down trees, mm-hmm. because, you know, he was raised in Ferngully, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is So cute. he does all the log-gathering <laughs> stuff, and seems excited to do the hard work, which is endearing to me yeah and i mean like build have somebody build you a nice house first and then you can go you know practice building a house on your own like the elements exposure (laughs) there's Um, this pine cone gag where one of them is told to watch uh the pair the 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 klaus and 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 flim flam (laughs) one of them is told to watch them and if they wake up throw this pine cone and what is meant by this is you should throw the pine cone to let us know that they're awake. Yeah, yeah. But the guy that's watching them is dumb dumb and throws the pine cone to knock out Flim Flam when he wakes up. And then they talk about that miscommunication. It goes on a weirdly long time. <laughs> this is this is a weird they need humor in the movie and they don't know how to get it out of our good boy with no villainous foil. Um, and a sidekick that barely exists. So 
they just have like this weird monologue about or, or this this weird dialogue between gnomes we'll never see again. I, I don't know. It, like, yep. This is weird, right? This, yeah, yeah. I, I, a, a lot weird of the humor... amount of detail and narrow focus on this. Uh, I thought I thought you meant that throw out the pine cone, not 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 the let you know about the pine with the pine cone. I also don't know why they have to do it secretively. <laughs> There's more jungle law that is not enforced. <laughs> Well, he's gonna know that that somebody made this house for him. He fig- he he says it as soon as he wakes up. He's like, "Oh, good, the gnomes did that. <laughs> good for me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, a lot of the humor because you got to keep the levity, right? A lot of the humor in this is just like there's a dum dum. Yep. Uh, yep. And also, the gnomes leave a cat in a sack behind, and <laughs> Nick says, "Oh, it keeps blinking. I'm gonna name it Blinky." Makes sense to me. That's now, how they name both of us. This is this is that lore that doesn't go anywhere. As far as I know, Santa canonically <laughs> doesn't have like a cat. No, they, they, they announce too? it. They announce it with the same degree of seriousness as the sash thing. And I love how so... like unburdened by the cynicism of humanity he is that he's just like, whoa, look at this guy go. He keeps blinking. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, it's very it's a we, this is a weird watch guys <laughs> there's moments in this that don't behave like a normal movie because we're trying to fill in the lore of santa claus from the ground up so they, they he chose this spot because it's close enough to the woodlands that he can see his family but close enough to the humans that he can learn more about them so so he goes yeah. in to visit them and he like meets a family with a mute child and a crying child and he mm-hmm. just you know he has a way with them because I was familiar with Hercules going into this, I assumed that he was going to come up with like his, you know, bright-eyed uh, idealism innocence and being like, I want to be your friend. And the, the farm would be like, I'm trying to put food on the table, man. I don't got time for this <laughs> shit. And like it would take the wind out of his sails. No, everyone loves him. <laughs> he's a, he's yeah. a friend to all man. If you were hey, waiting are for you the a conflict... Yes. If you were waiting for the conflict in this movie to happen, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's just him meeting people and having a good old time. It's, it's like weirdly heartwarming without putting any of the work in. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, this baby won't stop crying, and he just holds it and like, oh, that's a good baby. And it's like this kid's mute, and he's like, well, I like her anyway. And <laughs> I like, like the cut you, of her jib. You like you have a beautiful family. He's like, yeah, you know what I do. Thanks, buddy. It it is like it doesn't follow any conventions of storytelling mm-hmm. that I'm familiar with. I I just think it's a really it is a sweet little scene. Again, that doesn't really go anywhere. It's just good characterization. Like this this couple, this, these farmers clearly in poverty. I love that Nicholas doesn't doesn't interpret that like uh, Act does, which would be pity. Mm-hmm. He interprets it with compassion. He just yeah. like I want to meet you. You know, you are fellow humans. We share that. You are my brother. That is neighbor. enough. That is enough. I think that's cool. Yeah. It, it's not something you see a lot. Uh, he extends that humanity to Ethan, whom he meets, who has a crutch. And he gives him some lifting to do to make him feel useful. I think that's also very cute. And he makes like a big deal about how heavy the sack is that he's mm-hmm. lifting. So that the, 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 the slaver foreman can see that he's also useful. So he gets his... So he can also get his daily gruel rations, I assume. <laughs> yeah, all the all the like rougher side effects of this kind of are off screen. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm okay with not seeing it. It's just it is very disarming to recognize that there is a slave or foreman of a child quarry, and that it never really gets followed up on. Yeah. It, it is neat that Nick is like, like he's he's innocent enough to not see, to to not like pity people but he's also shrewd enough and empathetic enough to understand like what that kid needed in the moment oh yeah well he's been pranked by whisk for the better half <laughs> of his life you know <laughs> so he, he he knows how the game is played uh and uh, but yeah now... he, he goes back and hmm. decides basically to become santa claus yeah he, he <laughs> it's winter and he's I'm gonna like, be santa now the snow will make it hard to visit and he says right to the camera if only there was something I could leave behind to cheer them up and remind them that I'll be back. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> this whole concept of gift giving of like once a year, it's hard to get there. You can't I come can't, all the it's, time. <laughs> it's really amazing. Originally, I thought that the whole winter thing would like the Aguas would be like creating a shamanistic ritual to make it winter all the time. And therefore he's at the North pole. That doesn't happen. That's one of the the brutal heat of the summer or it's one of the lorelets that do not play out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there's so much little lorelets that find their way in here that I, I don't know. This caught me off guard. He also gets the idea to carve toys from the fact that he finds a piece of wood that kind of looks like his cat. Okay, man, (laughs) you do what you do. (laughs) There's something uh, in, there's something refreshing about like him recognizing, oh, this is what I can do to help my fellow man. And then just that's his now that's his whole life. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Did you ever watch The Good Place? Mm, which Good Place? The show. No. The Good Place. They make a big deal out of it of like, hey, maybe the reason why we all tried to be better people in the afterlife is because we weren't burdened by things like rent and a job and we could just like do things that made us and other people happy and not worry about it and that made us good people. I think there's also an element of immortality which is that there's no worry that you're wasting time. Yeah. There's not a deadline. So like I mean there's not a deadline in multiple senses, no bills to pay and you've got all the time in the world to, you know, to share with other people um you know and since he grew I, up around immortals so he feels that way too even though he's not immortal yet. he lives as though he's <laughs> he lives as though he's immortal which does elevate him to have this kind of level of empathy that would be burdened by having to work a steady job you know yeah live every day as if it was the last day of your life which is the same as the first day of your life because you are immortal yes that is a good moral for immortals Time means nothing to you. No. Uh, the Agawa, the rock demons, uh, they spy on Nick via a magic crystal. And uh, yep. <laughs> Nick yep. goes Yep, it's out. a magic crystal, guys. <laughs> We're doing magic crystals now. Yep. Well, the rock they, people, it wouldn't make sense for them to have, like, you know, watching the clouds so, for movement. So they're they're watching this, the, 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 the kid with the, uh, with the, with the limp, uh, Ethan, yeah, Ethan, with his walking yeah. stick. They watch him trundle his sad little ass out into the blizzard to try to go visit visit uh nick mm-hmm. did they put him in the blizzard <laughs> no they're like, just I, upset that he didn't die they're, they're just they're just pervs <laughs> <laughs> they're just watching sad children for fun mm-hmm. the, taking bets 
it is no more complicated than that, guys. Yep. Uh, and the reason that Ethan came out is because, you know, he didn't come back, but he, oh, I made you this nice walking stick. And he's like, listen, kid, that's great. But like, you're, you've got a fever, like you're sick and you're traveling through this horrible snowstorm. You, a mortal man like I am, the mortal you see before you have limits that I don't pay attention to because I was raised by a lion. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Friend, know, I know your whole was... thing is that you can do anything anybody else can, but you can't do this thing that I can do. <laughs> because you have a limp, because you are uh, less useful than other people at the child <laughs> quarry. Right. <laughs> I regret getting you that job. But here, have this. The very first toy. And yeah. he gives him the, the, the cat statue. The little cat carving that he came up with. I don't know how he garnered these skills. Uh, did, did it? It had him playing flute in the the kid grow up montage. Did it have him whittling? Uh, maybe he whittled the flute. Uh, he spent more time like taming a bear. <laughs> I don't remember taming the bear. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, can I? Can I want to want to pause just a second. Yeah, sure. The Ottawa's or Agawas. Yeah, Ottawa's a place. The Agawas are very boring as villains because their 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 motivations are they want to see kids suffer mm-hmm. i'm wondering if we can take this a level at more abstract and say the villain is schadenfreude and interesting because he, like the hero of the story is like generosity and like taking pleasure in other people being made happy yeah the the, the flip side cruelty of the human spirit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i think at my most generous, that is the thing that the villains accomplish. As it stands on the page, they are rock demons, one of which very conspicuously has the voice of the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about King Morkorb? What, again, with the, like, the Heimdall shit. Like, it's mentioned <laughs> once and never again. Yeah, that's Maurice LaMarche. Um, oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, was Maurice LaMarche the Cave of Wonders guy? That I don't know. Huh. I hope so. Um, but yeah, uh, the will, one, it's interesting though that they, uh, you know, that, that Schadenfreude, rather than direct like malice, they wait a few years before doing anything. Like it's a while before they actually take action against Nick. You think they're edging? I don't think they're edging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm like, see, I'm just asking questions. I think that they embody the evils of the human condition, which include like edging. wanting bad thing to happen to other people, but also being too lazy to do it unless it's easy, and also they're, edging. Yeah, one one of the one of the uh, Aguas is definitely the same dumb guy in the trio. Just like it, it the it's the hyena dilemma. You have three mm. villainous. You know, uh, Abbott and Costello's not Abbott and Costello, Statler and Waldorf's. One of them's going to be the dumb guy. Uh, can Can you rewrite the trolley problem so that it's the hyena dilemma? <laughs> I, <just> think <laughs> I think the dilemma is just that there's always more hyenas. <laughs> always. What is there like a conveyor belt? That's what the trolley's bringing in. <laughs> now we know they that you're not merely deciding to, to kill a person or five. You're also bringing either one or five hyenas. I don't know right. what the exchange rate for live humans to dead hyenas is. <laughs> depends on how active the hyena is. Yeah, it depends if they're doing their work. They're getting their steps in. Um, speaking of wild animals, uh, Shigra comes to visit. Nick makes a toy that looks like her. She dies. Oh, can... She is a cloud now. 
Can I? Okay, yeah. Uh, another Lion King moment. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to want to step back. When they're in the blizzard, uh, I think that the snow effect is great. I don't know mm-hmm. if you took note of it. It's not like your kind of standard, just a flurry of shapes across the screen. Like there, if you actually look, like the snow is in different concentrations, different density, different. It um, looks wet. It it looks close or far from the screen. Like there's a depth of a field there that is expressed through the snow, mm-hmm. which I think is just a very nice touch. I also, in my notes, just said that the snow effect is rather good. Because <laughs> I was writing him when I thought of it. I'm like, how am I going to bring this up to Zay? I'll just say it's, it's rather good. <laughs> That's a uh, uh, comedy bang bang sketch. Yes. Of the art show critic who just like, looks at art and says rather good. And it's <laughs> way funnier than it has any reason to be. <laughs> so good well you can see right here that this piece of art is it's rather good (laughs) everybody else just can't handle it (laughs) is that also the time lord or yeah that's that's the same actor yeah that's the same actor yeah Um, uh anyway you were talking about okay the lion shows up she's like hey i'm gonna die soon and then leaves and then there's a cloud shaped like her and Mm -hmm. that 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 had to be a callback to the Lion King, right? Is there anything else that does clouds and well, lions? Ben, correlation does not equal causation. There could be but a third factor that they're both at the cribbing clouds? from. Why are we looking at the clouds? Well, it's in nature. What else is there? Is it just kind of like, I, I think it's the shorthand for this thing that was once flesh is now dead. And this mm. is like the representation of their memory. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Do you, do you know that like old art form of like... um? like 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 portraits of like old samurai or whatever that have them in a bunch of different like sword poses and it's all kind of like very um like like the painting of it makes them seem very like spirit-like and ethereal Mm. i think it's it's easy shorthand for this is someone who was close to us that has passed on to another realm so interesting yeah I, i didn't think of it until just this moment but yeah i think you're right that both this and the lion king are kind of cribbing from that similar shorthand mm-hmm. anyway um yeah kids come to his house demanding toys he has set a bad precedent well and... he, he almost sets a worse one and he tries to give the tiger the lion figure <laughs> yeah, and they're like scared. your adoptive mother is terrifying god <laughs> and, rest her soul and this is you know building the santa lore but in a way that didn't really need to be explained where he's like kids like toys better if they're not scary I, okay <laughs> Doesn't it need to be explained? If you are the inventor of toys, how how do you know? Especially if you're an adult man who isn't afraid of a lion because you grew up with one. I don't think that it's, I don't I, think I that necessarily that it follows. It contributes to world building. It's not something I would have thought of as a plot hole if they didn't explain it. I'm kind of into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it is one of those like texture scenes that doesn't really do anything for the plot, but just kind of characterizes Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Uh, another interest, like a big character moment comes next when this noble woman comes on horseback to visit and says that she also wants a toy. What, what did you think of this? This is the same. Um, this is uh, this is the same Kath Susie, right? That we yeah, saw the, earlier. She was a younger girl then. And now you can hear the difference in her voice. But it's it's pretty clearly still the same girl. Um, I. I think that I, I I like this scene because she asks for a toy and Nicholas rebuffs her and says, 
listen, you clearly have a lot in life, a lot of advantages. Um, my my toys are for the people who don't have advantages. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm still a child. <laughs> yeah. And he and he has like a moral dilemma, which Yeah, his his uh, his nymph mom, Nasil, tells him that like, listen, a rich kid doesn't choose their life any more than a poor kid, and that they may lack things as well. I don't think that's the best message, but it does fit him. It fits him. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that there's probably a more deft and subtle nuanced message that you could have given in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh but we we kind of only have time and depth of character to explore children should be allowed to be children yeah it's it's like um it it's one of those like surprisingly nuanced modern discussions that you know if you apply the logic to a lot of different things you might get different answers like everybody needs legal defense but if you can't buy a private lawyer you should still get one and you don't need to have one, like a public defender, on a case where you already have a lawyer that you bought, even if it was your parents who bought. I don't, I don't know. Or yeah. Like, or like. See, this is why the ju- this use- is why jungle law is full of loopholes, is because the law only applies to poor junglemen. Right, right. Because you know the the rich will be able to get the power of ten tigers some other way. <laughs> yeah, ten if you're lucky. <laughs> Or like, uh, you know, even the very rich should be allowed to use the library because it would be more of a hassle to stop people at the door and ask them if they can buy a a book themselves. That's a utilitarian perspective. I I think that I would argue that this movie is more to the point of there's something social in going to a library and with with the common with kind of like a common public purpose Mm -hmm. that you could get the material benefits of if you had like a private tutor. But that the the the, um, the material benefits are not the thing that he's delivering to these children. Yeah, it it's, is, it's a moral, spiritual, community sense. Yeah, it's a sense well, it's, that you're like, being loved by somebody. That's it. Uh, a distant yes. father figure, some sort of uh, you know <laughs> mythical <laughs> being, some, who, some sort of uh, some sort of noble Krampus. <laughs> yeah, who loves you at a distance, um, or or like it's like how Superman is like. Listen, I'll stop the alien invasion from hurting you, but I'm not going to get into politics. Like, I help everyone in my own way. Corporations are people, my friend. I, uh, it, According to Superman, I'm not <laughs> dealing with that. Is yep. more... Buddy, but yeah. I tried to kill Hitler. They, the my, my, tans, my hands were tied by the editors. I don't know mm. what to tell you. Uh, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting scene. It's kind of like a... Like, if if we were in a book club, this would be one of the talking points. I agree. And you know what? It it comes across as authentic. Like, it's mm-hmm. not nuanced as the discussion could be, but authentic to his character and the message of the movie. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Then we get a scene that does not need to happen at all, except to <laughs> remind us that the Agawas exist, because they, they break into his house, steal his cat, banish him to another realm. <laughs> it's a dangerous jungle, jungle law. He calls upon the Nooks, of whom he is considered a friend, for help, and then he is promptly returned from banishment. You forgot the best part. What is the he best is part? only considered a friend when he whispers the Nook password, <laughs> which we do not hear. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, kids would abuse that. <laughs> I don't think you can be considered None a this... friend if you have to use a password. Like, surely. It's like a clubhouse mentality. You know what would have been good if 
they, if he called upon the Nooks and he's like, I am a friend to the Nooks. And they like, oh, I don't know everybody. Let me check my list. You know, check it twice. This is how we keep track of who's our friend. It's, it, yeah, it, it, huh. yeah it, it's completely <laughs> extraneous scene that makes no sense. Uh, but he makes a bunch of toys. He makes a list to help with the organization of the whole thing. There's some passage of time and he becomes, he ages into a Jim Cummings. Mm-hmm. And then As he, we all hope to. And then he, he goes to this, uh, he goes to Will the Dwarf or the Gnome or one of your off-brand gnomes or maybe it's a Nook. I don't, I, this is a Chunky Elf. This is, Oh, this is just Chonk Elf? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the snow is too much for him. It would be a lot easier if I had some reindeer and perhaps a sleigh to bring my toys to the town. It's starting to take shape, isn't it? Yes. They never explain the sleigh bells, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. The sleigh well, bells just, are just classic just, winter. Oh, okay. Uh, and I like yeah, that his just, yeah. first reindeer are Holly and Mistletoe. Like, these are the, like, pilot episode reindeer before they get yeah. replaced with Captain Kirk. <laughs> this is very cute. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then narrator comes back in and says, he's like a saint because he's good to kids. We should call him Saint Nick. Or Santa Claus. Either or. Both good. <laughs> but those are the only two. Uh, oh, and then he goes and stuff choi- stuffs the toys down chimneys because... Uh, because it's late and he doesn't want to use the door. Well, yeah, the door is locked. He climbs in the chimney. And yeah. the reindeer can jump up on the roof, you see. Yeah. There's a montage of gift giving. And they, and they they and the narrator starts talking about it. Yeah, there's traditions now. They believe in milk and cookies, something about stockings. Now, uh, eventually after some time, the elf cuts him off. No more reindeer. <laughs> his reindeer privileges get revoked. <laughs> oh, was he late on his taxes? What happened? <laughs> You know, you, even if you live out in the woods, you you still uh, you still use the roads, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's like, okay, I guess I'm back to walking in the snow. Uh, but he is beset by Agawas who steal his toys. And yeah. the leader makes kind of a fair point, like, hey, we want toys too. Why don't we get them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is you know you know the the these are the naughty kids. Mm-hmm. These are the. They Ooh, want yeah. all the toys. They they're the Schadenfreude that's lurking in our hearts. And they look like coal. They look like what? They look like coal. Oh, naughty okay. kids oh, get coal. Yeah, that's pretty good. A thing that maybe they should have explained, but didn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it it's it's random. They rolled a bunch of they they <laughs> they picked five out of a bag, and we're like, let's explain these ones. <laughs> Uh, we get a couple of shots of the treasure hoard of toys that they stole from Cave him. of Wonders again. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I just I <laughs> saw so much DNA from recent Disney movies of that time. Um, but he, he gets a pick-me-up when the rich girl, Natalie, comes back. Uh, somebody tried to steal her toy, those those rock monsters. And so she brings it as a gift for, for him. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Nasil doll that he made for her. Yeah, it's very, it's, very, it's very sweet. I don't know why she's still young at this point. No, she's a little older. Like, not much from the last time we saw her. Yeah. Th- She's not don't 30 years to... older. Yeah, it's almost like Nick aged a lot faster than everyone <laughs> else. progeria. It's, it's almost as if the woodland creatures were stealing candle, the, the candle the, that like, burns at both ends. From yada, yada. <laughs> Um But Nick goes to Ak and it says, like, listen, can you make Will give me the reindeer and sleigh? Like, they this go is not to him as the arbiter of jungle law. Like, this is what I was talking about earlier is we get, like, a surprising amount of focus for the negotiation of this reindeer contract. Acts like, well, Will has business rights. I can't disregard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to grow the economy here. He's a job creator. <laughs> 
It's very funny. It's like, okay, you get the reindeer for, I don't know, one night a year. How about Christmas Eve? Everybody yeah, loves Christmas every- Eve. How about you get eight of them this time? Um, you know, I, be I really helpful is if like, they could fly. Yeah, they can fly. They're not even trying anymore. <laughs> this is so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, they don't have enough toys for the delivery. So, uh, Nasil goes to try to pilfer the toys back from the Agawas and Ak, dis- Ak decides to bring war to the Agawas. Yeah, it, it, the fairies are going to war. Oh boy. Weird yeah. escalation. <laughs> and we get a war scene. <laughs> okay. When he decided to go to war, I'm like, what kicked this off? Cause it looks like he's been waiting for the excuse. Mm-hmm. What kicked this off was Nick getting into business with the mortals, and the and the immortal Agawas came to Nick first. They initiated mm-hmm. contact with the mortals. Now, Ak has justification. justification. Yep. Yes, <laughs> it's a war of defense. We're just trying to return these artifacts to their original you, homes. Think about how good their women will be after this. So. Yeah, we get <laughs> yeah, the Agawas recruit some giants and a dragon, but like a Chinese dragon, a curiously Chinese New Year dragon with human hands. <laughs> yeah, war were declared. Um, yeah, it, I want to say it feels a lot like the war scene from Wizards. <laughs> I know. Well, the, here's the thing: I, magic I know, versus tech, almost. I don't know how well I'll be able to find music of this movie, um, but the music here is barely more energetic than normal it sounded do you remember the town music from runescape yeah yeah i do <laughs> it's a That's... little fife and drum and clarinet mm-hmm. you know like it feels like battle lines are drawn kind of music a uh, couple of highlights from the fight scene we get a catapult throwing snow at the dragons which explodes into birds yeah that's good i like that uh, the giants are turned into stones, they shatter, and then the shattered stone turns into butterflies. Mm-hmm. Bilbo will be talking about this for years. And the leader Agawas are broken off of a cliff and turned into bugs. Do you remember the villains of the piece, the Agawas? They're gone now. They're gone. Nick, War took Nick a minute and a half. Nick didn't have to do anything with them. Ak mm-hmm. just, ne- just needed the excuse. <laughs> We've been building up all he these the, years. He had his finger on the button the whole time, dude. Do you have any idea how many reserves you can get when people don't die? <laughs> uh, anyway, we're, we're back at Nick's workshop. For some reason, no one in Immortal Land felt like it was okay for Nick to know that this immortal war was coming to a conclusion with battle. Oh, well, they everyone say, deserves to have secrets. The problem's been taken care of, Nick. Oh, fantastic. Look, glad they talked some sense into those young men. <laughs> It's Glad very. I, see, guys, I knew we sh- work it out. It's so weirdly shady with without purpose. <laughs> like it, that doesn't go anywhere. That's the end of it, guys. Yep. Nick is kept in the dark about this war. <laughs> it never comes up again. It's good stuff. This isn't paced like a movie at all. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so free. It's liberating. The purpose is to tell us about a Santa Claus that happened, not to deliver any kind of actual, like, drama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More movies like this. Could you imagine if after all the buildup, this is the kind of thing, like, Endgame was? <laughs> yeah. Um, Instead of four uh, hours of time travel shenanigans, we're going to have, like, an hour and a half of, like... Aunt oh, yeah, May we... talking to... 
<laughs> talks talks to talks to Thanos. He to I Thanos. gave him a stir talking to. Let's all hang mm. out, get some more shawarma. Listen, she beat me at checkers, and a bet's a bet by jungle law. <laughs> <laughs> jungle law is eternal and timeless. Uh, yeah, by so the way, the... if no one knows what we're talking about with jungle law, it's the defenders. Def- uh, what was it called? How much the... of the lore can you remember? I'm curious. The, de- the Defenders of the Earth, which yep. was a bad knockoff superhero show. It had, I want to say, a, a actual real world race car driver or pilot as the. No, it was Flash Gordon, right? It was Flash Gordon. He it he had... drove the car. <laughs> it had we... Mandrake the Magnificent. It the, the the magician, the creepy magician with the perv stash. His hand uh, servant, uh, Lothar. Oh yeah, the black the black guy. Yeah, the Caribbean ninja. <laughs> the Caribbean ninja. <laughs> and, uh, and the Phantom. And the Phantom, which he he by he he says, he states multiple times, by jungle law I invoke the power of ten tigers. Yeah. Which uh, is very specific and also has nothing to do with his costume or origin. And he is one in a long line of phantoms. They all wear purple. Also, he pilots around like a giant skullcopter. <laughs> I forgot how much of a Mad Libs he was. <laughs> Everybody else has a like defined gimmick. Uh, I would love anyway, to see a team up with him in Saint Nick. Yeah, so that they, is that is what we're talking about when we say Jungle Law. Yeah, we we say Jungle Law a lot. I don't think we've explained it in quite some time. <laughs> it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Nasil and the other fairies, they get back the toy horde. Nick wears his sash to become invisible. The toys are back. We're at the classic imagery, and we get a song about bringing the toys to kids. The first, this my first magical Christmas sleigh ride. Cats and wagons and horses and dragons, plus dolls of every color, shape, and size. That end headed for the far horizon, flying through the starry skies. I, I kind of like this. It's um, very cute. And, and I, you know what's fun is that the music does not follow a standard four-measure tempo kind of thing. Like the the the, the, the time. Well, the, I mean the the, the I, I don't know. I don't have the right music background to like state what's going on, but it doesn't have like you know. Da 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 da. Hey. Da 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 It doesn't have that like four beat measure. Like it, it goes into like three beat measures sometimes. It goes off into a different key change. These are pretty dynamic songs, and uh, it's kind of like how yeah. folk songs, like the background was added after the fact. Like a very charismatic person sang a song that felt right to them, and then we we added in the harmonies later. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's very, it's a decidedly non-Disney musical score, which mm-hmm. I think is, it, it gives it its own kind of personality. That's refreshing. Yeah, uh, and I like the magical Christmas sleigh ride. Uh, I, I think it's very appropriate that this is the first song in the movie that's sung with an actual tone of, like, wonder, as opposed yeah. to, like, bittersweet, life is hard background feelings about it. Like, he's it, it amazed mirrors... he did it all in one night, too. It's a mirroring of the impact he's had on the world. He has made mm. the general tone of humanity, you know, raise a couple points. There's hope. Yep. Yeah, and uh, we throw in some other Christmas traditions. We get, uh, yep. oh, Christmas trees for families that don't we, have With them. candles on it, which is just a terrible fire hazard. Yep, uh, if they don't have lamps. we Drying stockings, that's a great place to put gifts. Milk and cookies, I love them. Don't you? Have some cookies. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's cute world building toward a myth that we already know, but fine. Now 
Here is where. <laughs> I All right, think your we, we didn't thing get happened. so 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 we didn't get a villain per se, <laughs> but but it, it is time who's the to greatest, who's the greatest villain of them all? <laughs> the angel of death. Uh, that's not the part that slayed me, but it is very funny because, like, incongruously, we've wrapped up a oh, Christmas miracle all in one night. All the pieces are there. The myth has closed. And then Whisk is explained by Will, the reindeer salesman, <laughs> the nature of death, and that Santa will die. <laughs> and we have like five minutes left in the movie. <laughs> ominously talks about how the angel of death is coming for him who is a real like queen ursula looking Mm -hmm. like um specter that is just coming in through the woods making a beeline for saint nick (laughs) and uh whiskey you know tries to fend her off being like no thanks no solicitors after 9 p.m please (laughs) another time (laughs) i like the jangling sound effect when she's nearby like the rattling chains sort of thing yeah yeah it feels kind of like a Christmas carol. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Marley. My head kept saying Bob Marley. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it? Is it so wrong? Yeah. Check out the Muppets. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So Ack goes <laughs> to plead in front the of the council. council of immortals. <laughs> then tell me about your favorite designs here. I saw a deer I... man, Poseidon. There was yeah, a woman with I... a planet necklace and a guy whose head was made of the sun. And then yeah. just a guy with big ears in the background. I'm 90% sure I saw Raven from Teen Titans there. <laughs> yes. Like there's, and we're just watching kind of the, post credit scene of Poseidon and Heimdall debating whether or not to grant immortality to this Hercules-like figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to read the summary of the scene from the book. <laughs> the Council of Immortals! When Claus is in his 60s, the immortals realize he is near the end of his life, and a council headed by Ack, Master Woodsman of the World, Bo, Master Mariner of the World, and yep. Kern, Master Husbandman of the World, gathers together the Gnome King, the Queen of the Water Spirits, the King of the Wind Demons, the King of the Rills, the King of the Nooks, the King of the Sound Imps, the King of the Sleep Phase, the Fairy Queen, Queen Zerline of the Wood Nymphs, and the King of the Light Elves with Princess Flash and Twilight. <laughs> and Tingler, <laughs> the, 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 the Sound Imp. <laughs> Naughty Tingler. Naughty Tinglers come to the council to mingler. <laughs> I'm singler and ready to mingler. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I guess the adversarial nature of like, no, we shouldn't give him immortality. Is this like Poseidon figure, Bo, the Master Mariner? I don't know yep. why he hates Santa so much. Yeah, King Nemo is is really antagonistic in this scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, we get a recap by Heimdall saying, listen, seems like a solid dude. Uh, <laughs> also, the Dark Ages will never end if he dies. Yeah, because and they he put didn't it up just to give a vote gifts, that we gave hope and charity to the world, which you guys didn't. Uh, and we, we get, a, and, and they go to a vote, which we do not see the result mm-hmm. of. Uh, but Heimdall shows up and grants upon his weary brow... He grants Nicholas a sparkly blanket with the powers of immortality, and I'm pretty sure Blinky got hit with it, too. 
Blinky has already lived at least 30 years. That's a long cat. <laughs> Good point. Now, yeah. I, I don't know why there wasn't a Mrs. Claus. I thought that was going to be in here somewhere. Uh, maybe you didn't pick up on the homoerotic subtext of eternal life, hetero life partners between him and, and Wiz. <laughs> him and a shapeshifter. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> all your needs are met. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Whatever you want. And the movie ends kind of weirdly with the narrator saying, and that's the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. We have to say that. Because we're still in the courtroom of the woodsmen of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a it's a weird lead off. This that and that is the end of the movie. And boy, that <laughs> it doesn't behave like the end of a movie. It doesn't kind of behave like a it, movie at all. It weirdly skips the dra- dramatic um, rising action climax does a resolution and then does a second resolution <laughs> that didn't have any prologue before it. Mm-hmm. It does like a resolution from like a, a spin-off movie right. <laughs> with the council of immortals. <laughs> but just, you know, just to head off the complaints ahead of time, he's immortal now. He's, so he's they, still alive. No, we kids. Did, we no, no we, we did it by the book. This is all in the charter. Yeah. Do we I need to read the, off the names again? <laughs> we could be in the council of immortals. We King have them of the minutes right demons. here. Tingler, the chief stenographer, will read back the minutes. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, the life and ad- the true life and adventures of Santa Claus. I don't think it hit me at the outset when we started talking about this how not paced like a movie this movie is. Mm-hmm. It it is decidedly non cinematic in its construction, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. There is a reason though. That movies have this standard. I mean, as, as far as storytelling goes, mm-hmm. there's a reason you have your setup, your rising action, your climax, your falling action, your resolution. That's that's a time and that, that's a tried and true method. But it's so liberating to just kind of let the chips fall, except yeah. that they were still bound by the jungle law of making sure that every little bit of tidbit of <laughs> Santa lore got in there in some way, shape, shape or form. But maybe not all of it, and maybe yeah. some stuff we have to explicitly say, and some stuff can just kind of be uh, implied. It's it's such a this it's, is so weird, Zane. It's an older form of storytelling where like the mythos is built by parents telling their kids stories before bed, where it's like I got fifteen minutes, I gotta tell you one cool thing that happened, you know, and maybe I'll check out this side character for a minute. You know, that it's just kind of the way stories used to be told that is not profitable, so we don't see it anymore. Yeah, and, and like I, I'm reminded of the Grimm's Book of Fairy Tales that I used to have, and I, one story that really stuck with me was about this this cat and mouse that stored a little pat of fat, uh, a, a pot of fat for the winter, mm-hmm. um, and the cat kept skimming off of it, and then by the end of it, the mouse is like, jig is up, I know that you ate all the fat, and then the cat's like, <laughs> tough shit i'm gonna eat you and then he gets eaten and that's the end of the story like yeah uh and then the octopus ate all his acorns and drove a fast car and 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 mooshed off his girlfriend is any of this getting through you (laughs) yeah it's it it's a style of storytelling that has fallen out of favor because it doesn't play to modern conventions of moral center i think yeah, this ain't your woke Santa Claus. Wait, what do you mean? 
I, I mean that this, there's like, if this is a moral story. It's like constructed like a, like it has a moral character in it mm. and it's got a morality about it of like gen- generosity in, in a sense. Kind of. But it doesn't, it isn't, it isn't blocked out like an essay trying to convince you of the merits of generosity. The the, the messages are not deep. They're not reinforced, but there's a breadth. We see it applied in a lot of different situations where like yeah. this kid needed to show that he could work. This family needed to be reminded of its blessings. You know, it's 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 that sort of like Santa Claus as this mythical generous figure is giving you what you need. It's almost like a different it's it's almost like a different medium entirely but using all of the building blocks of animation like mm. it it more reminds me of like stories that are kind of told in like a museum like a like a, a series of like portraits oh, yeah. or pieces of artwork that tell a whole but without kind of a consistent writer throughout the entire thing it's just kind of a lot of little snapshots that have different lenses on the same event. Yeah, oh, ever... that's how the turtle got its shell. Cool, got it, great. Yeah, there's, there's not really... It, it does not feel like this was a story that was written, but a story that was uncovered archaeologically. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, uh, you know, Joseph Smith out in the woods finding the golden tablet, and it's just talking about Santa, you know. So just, just and, and this curiously man-faced monkey named Fisk... I don't know why he keeps on showing up in all these jars of peanut butter, but it's got to mean something. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, listen, I know that it doesn't add to my story and is actively detracting from the focus to have him get scurried off to the jungle only to emerge after befriending <laughs> the nooks, but that's what the tablet says, man. I don't know that, what to tell that you. Also made, that also felt a lot like the, uh, the scene from Aladdin where he gets, like, teleported to a blizzard or something. Yeah. It's almost like a mediocre storyteller felt so deeply the story of a thing that truly happened and is just getting out the highlights as best he can. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) a very weirdly constructed piece of media, Mm -hmm. which, and I'll say it again, it is liberating to see something presented like this. And it's cute enough and the animation looks good. I like the background. I'm kind of surprised how positive you are on this. I thought I don't know. I, I, it's 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 unconventional, uh, kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. There's no subtlety to it, right? But I, I, it was pleasant to look at and listen to, and it it's very liberating to see a story not told like a Marvel movie, you know? Yeah, or a Disney movie. Like it's just I I haven't gotten this type of thing before in animation. <laughs> so thank you for bringing it to my attention. What was your what was your impressions on the rewatch? I definitely remember it being a lot more of that kind of of movie where it is kind of a classic story. I thought I vaguely remember that he went and used his invisibility to like hoodwink and fight the Agawas. And he got oh, to get out of back. the crowded bar. That that he was, but the but the ring wraiths that he was <laughs> zeroed engaged, in on him. That that he was engaged in some way in furthering his own story rather than taking a backseat to the, what life had in store for him. You know. Yeah, and also just like not really present for any of the war mm. that is going on among fey kind the, the like the way uh, here's another example for how this just is decidedly not following conventions of storytelling that moment where he's kind of um he's clever by like letting the boy 
lift his sack and mm-hmm. uh wish i'd phrase that different um <laughs> you know he, he gives ethan the uh the the sack of uh supposedly very heavy stuff to show that he's a strong man like that you said that that, that had some guile to it that was clever mm-hmm. uh and clever is never in his repertoire again so it makes it feel like a weird one-off scene that doesn't go anywhere and maybe would have been better on the cutting room floor but that scene can that that type of scene just continuously happens through the whole movie mm-hmm. yeah uh it's weird um but did, i imagine you coming back to it now realize just how blatantly they're trying to get all the lore in there and how like deftless the storytelling is yeah that that's kind of what hit me on this watch i i do like the presentation of Santa Claus, not as this all-powerful being, but as a guy who's just the guy you happen to need at any given point in your life. Like, that's reassuring. Like, I imagine that's uh, a lot of what appeals to people about actual, like, religious figures, and that this is sort of the, like, you know, Jesus light kind of version. Yeah, like, I mean, th- I think angels throughout the ages in in different works of religious media are kind of like uh, the, the people who kind of set you on the right path with, like, a... um a trivial gesture at the time, but it kind of, you know, butterfly affects its way yeah, to making you a seed. good person and happy. Yeah, uh, I, I I respect what this what this movie was trying to was trying to do. I am um, I'm honestly not little, sure what it was trying to it do. Was a I just enjoyed it throughout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. Like, there's some elements of this that don't give me anything. You know, sure. Um, like the, the 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 pine cone bit with the with the fat gnomes, the dumb yep. gnomes. Whatever the hell was going on with that crystal, like, peeping Tom mirror that the Aguas uses. Like, it, these things don't actually add anything and the, are just distracting and weird. The one but, Agua whose job was just to go, oh, boy, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, uh, there's so much extraneous weird on this, but because it's so unconventional, I never got, like, the, fatigued. The, the, the bad parts, the parts that you're talking about as as less good, are the parts that would be included in like a modern like Illumination Studios, you know, big box office hit. Like, oh yeah, we need a fart joke here. You know, the the focus groups tested that it's better if this guy's like slipping on a banana peel. Like, those are the those are the only parts that don't really fit or work here. Well, I, I and even those I think were pretty blatantly included as hey we need a dumb guy hey we need mm-hmm. a justification hey we need a villain they were included like on the face there and i've, I've seen other things that have as obvious villains but because this was so unconventionally paced and i wasn't sure where the movie was trying to take me they just felt like nothing instead of actively detracting from the story because there wasn't really a story to detract from it was just kind of yeah. oh, that was weird for a second okay <laughs> what next Right. Do you yeah, know what I mean? it's almost like you're reading somebody's diary. Yeah, there could be not, something the, juicy on the very next page, but it's not. It's like, oh, I had diarrhea yeah, today. I really, I really thought that day was going to go somewhere, but yeah, uh, it is cool. It's it, it's it is worth a watch if you're interested in kind of the two thousand foot perspective on what a story told poorly can do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very irregular, uh, but I did enjoy it. So thank you for bringing it to me. Yeah, cool. Well, what are you going to be bringing to all of the good little boys and girls next time? Uh, so next time, we're going to be taking a step away from the movies and going toward 
Christmas or Hanukkah or just generic holiday-themed episodes of shows. Yes. And for this, we've chosen a triad that uh, we're somewhat familiar with, um, if not personally, at least by uh, legend. (laughs) So we're going to be watching... The Futurama Xmas episode. I'll probably watch both halves. I don't know if you just want to do the first or the second. Uh, I'm not, I don't need an excuse to watch more Futurama. Let's let's just do both and just run through them quick. Then mm-hmm. it won't take us long. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be watching the the Rugrats Hanukkah special, which I had very strong memories of, and I've already watched for some reason. Uh, and I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised at the amount of uh, it's it's like. In the um, in in Eight Crazy Nights, how some of the humor came across as this is a guy who grew up in a Jewish household just yeah. trying to get some of his Jewish household into a property. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. <laughs> there is a lot of them speaking in Yiddish, not to the audience of the Rugrats. It's the, very the Rugrats fun. as a whole has a lot of a writer was working through something. Yep. Yep, it feels like Hey Arnold in that way, like a very mm. lived-in experience for a creator to put on the page. Yeah. Uh, and then we're also going to be taking a bit of a left turn. We wanted a third one. There's not really any Kwanzaa media that I'm familiar with. Uh, so we decided to look at uh, the Thanksgiving special of uh, Thank God You're a Christmas Tree, Charlie Brown. <laughs> yep, and, uh, you know, if we happen to encounter other holiday episodes and uh, decide we'll to do We'll probably just... Yeah, we'll just do them. <laughs> just do what? I, who cares? Hey, man. I'll probably watch the Rugrats Passover special. Who's going to stop me? Oh, yeah. I, I hadn't thought of that. So the Hanukkah one, it was so good that I kind of want to go back to the Passover one. Mm. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's Zane, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised about how well the Hanukkah Rugrats episode holds up. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm up to my dentures in Kindelach. <laughs> uh there's there's a lot of that going on <laughs> can't wait uh insane what are we doing after that well after that uh i was kind of you know grasping at uh, uh other movies other holiday stuff we could find that wasn't just christmas movies uh, and i found one that kind of splits the difference and i was curious enough by the wikipedia summary that i wanted to check it out this mm. is the uh 2012 movie rise of the guardians it's sort of like an avengers team up of holiday properties oh shit i, I that's I, like I that's like a like, fairly odd parents uh, it, yes. uh gag it's very fairly odd parents i kind of like how we found the weird holiday like stuff yeah. that's that's as divorced from the actual way people celebrate these things as possible we didn't intend for it to be that way but here we are i i think that this is unless you want to go super schmaltzy with it like i think that the real like christmasy movies are all live action mm. or at least like a, a good bulk of them are like your home alone twos um which, which kind of have more of a centerpiece of emphasis on family sure but uh, that does that doesn't play super well with animation, I think. But mm-hmm. maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm wrong, and we're just missing them. I don't think anyone could fault us for looking down this weird rabbit hole to find <laughs> the life and adventures of Santa Claus. I I'll, I'll give I'll give you one statement from the Wikipedia summary right now. Uh, Jack Frost discovers that uh, children's teeth that fall out and are given to the Tooth Fairy contain their memories. Okay, now we're in Monsters, Inc. territory where it's like a power source. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't wait. 
Uh, that sounds terrible, but I can't wait either. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, if thank you very much for listening. And uh, if you have anything to say about uh, holidays of some sort or any of the things we said, yep. uh, go to our Facebook page. You can go to our website at fancybat.com slash cartoncast and leave a comment or a show suggestion. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review, which really helps us out and validates our existence. And uh, more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Yeah. And tell uh, your and Zane, friends about the true meaning of Christmas. Uh, and Zane... Who will you be uh, at the end of your life when you ascend to the conclave of immortals? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many great ones that I could aspire to be. You know, there's uh, TX of the North and his bevy of spotless virgins, of course. Of course. Uh, there's Lord Nostrum of the underworld, but not that underworld. It's a, it's a more of like a mole man situation. The from underworld. Yeah, I've heard the joke before. Yeah. Oh well, it's it's the only joke we have, so we tell it a lot. <laughs> no, I think, I think I just I'm wanna... going to be. I'm. I think I'm going to be Nippler the tickling imp. <laughs> there we go. I hear he gets into some saucy situations. That that that's how he got how he gets out of the saucy situations. Now mm. that's the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. No, I'm just going to turn into a cloud. I think. Okay. I think that's the dignified way for a mortal to go. Hey, it's good enough for James Earl Jones. It's good enough for me. And if you look at this painting, um, mm. one thing you may notice about it is that the use of color is rather good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it is very striking. Uh, he's, he's using yes. uh, some, some brighter colors that one does not normally see. Yes, and... it's rather good. I agree. Yes.